like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, fellow sleuths. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for high school goths with a heart of gold. Ah, exactly what you would think when you think Teen Killers Club. Uh, You know, I do now. Now we do. Well, so today, the day of recording is Halloween. Happy Halloween, Kelly. Happy Halloween! And as you mentioned, up for discussion this week is Teen Killers Club by Lily Sparks, which we are so excited about. And we have an opening thought to ponder. Yes, let me have it. Okay. In this book, the characters take something called the Wiley Stanton test. And you are ranked class A, B, C, or D. Mm -hmm. Class A being the worst. Like, you are most likely a sociopath, a psychopath. Like, you are likely to commit crimes. Devastating crimes. Uh, Class D, then, would be... You are a baby angel. You You would never jaywalk. You would never think about jaywalking. Mm-hmm. My question for you, Kelly, if you took this test, what do you think your result would be? Oh, <laughs> a provocative question. Uh, well, can I assume that you would be a, the sweet baby angel category? I think I, I don't know that I would get class D. I think I would be more of like a class C. C and a half? Likely. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be, I'm not a baby angel, but I am not... A risk taker. <laughs> that that sounds right. I, although, it does beg the question. So, part of this test is that they look at all of your online search his- history right. and all communications you've ever sent digitally. And as true crime lovers, I'm guessing both of our search history might be a little <laughs> It might look a dodgy. little shady. I mean, initially yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, if it's just looking at my search history, they're going to be like, she's, we're going to make a class E for this one. All she does is look at recipes. But, <laughs> but yeah, there is an awful lot of serial killer true crime thrown in there. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm guessing I would be like a, a class C. Okay. Like, yeah. we're like a, a harmless prank here and there. And I feel like a class D would not enjoy a harmless prank. Yeah, like, we're, we're not like little goody two-shoes. I mean, Karen, we've heard about your crimes against the library, so that automatically (gasps) disqualifies you. (laughs) I have hidden a rubber snake in your bed from time to time. Yeah, that was not funny. It will always be funny, and it may happen again. If that ever happens again, we're not friends anymore. Like, I I have been very clear, I have been very clear with my friends. If Mark is listening to this, he has been, he, this is a, a rule. Like, there are no snake jokes. There, it's not funny ever. It is. It is. It is not funny. It will never be funny. And if you make me like lose my sense of security around you, we're done forever. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me if someone staged an elaborate ghost prank in my home. I wouldn't right? be able to speak to them again. Yeah, it'd be over. I understand, which is why I would never consider doing something like that to you, Karen. And I would expect <laughs> the same snaky reciprocation. <sighs> uh, interesting question. I want to talk about this Wiley Stanton test much more when we get into the bulk of the episode. But Fantastic. in the meantime, I would love to hear how your week went, Seaster. 
Oh, my week was fairly geriatric, I would say. Geriatric? Yes, I was like knitting. Is that the right word? Like I I behaved as if I... Understood. I thought you meant generic. No, no, I meant what I said. (laughs) Like, nope, I said what I said and I mean what I did. Geriatric. Okay, so I am guessing that was like a lot of knitting. Yes, probably tea drinking. You know, I watched some Lifetime movies. Um, There was a moment where I think this was on Friday night. The some some folks nearby that our youths were having a Halloween rager. Kelly being too loud. They were being so. They had a DJ in this very small house. There were droves of people showing up for it, and like the DJ had a microphone, and I could hear him being like, "All right, like that's ridiculous." It was a rager. You know what? Most neighbors at least have the good common sense to invite their neighbors before they do something like that. Correct. I would have attended for a free shot of Fireball, and then I would not. Absolutely. But I was sitting there in my jam jams at midnight as this rager continued knitting and grumbling like. I would have been too. Uh, And while I was knitting, the most important thing though is that I knitting is still very hard for me. Like lots of focus goes into it, and I've historically just when I make a mistake in knitting, I just throw the whole thing out because I don't know how to fix my mistakes. You don't and you don't frog it as the as the knitters say. I don't. I didn't know how. It's very. It's much harder to fix a knitting mistake than it is a crocheting mistake. And so I, I maybe because of my ire at the Halloween rager. I don't know. I. It's like I blacked out and forgot how to knit. And I did like two full rows of a blanket. I don't even know what I was doing, but it was wrong. <laughs> um, it looked real bad. I'm and sorry. So I hopped on the YouTube's though, and I figured out how to how to fix it. So I oh, so there there was a win that a came silver, out of a silver lining. Oh, <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that, Karen. That's, I mean, I'd still be really annoyed with my neighbors, but I mean, I'm and happy for your knitting success at least. That's really all I have. It's been raining constantly. Yeah, it's dark. here too. Like, that was all. That's all I had. What? What was your week like? Was it more interesting than mine? Well, I mean, I, so as I have said previously, like I'm a bit of a homebody and and that's putting it mildly. So like (laughs) I've had a lot of activities in the past week. And I, so I, I think I have completed my social requirement for the rest of the year. Like (laughs) I'll see everyone circa March of 2022. I get it. Got to recharge the introvert battery. Yep. Right. So I've had a lot of activities this week, including I got to see Fortune Feemstar live last night. No way. Yeah. And it was super fun. It's the first show I've been to since the pandemic started. So, oh. which was a little bit like it was weird being back yeah. in a group of people again. But oh, it was really nice to be at a live show. She's hilarious. Um, her new show is great. Oh, my God. Um, so I did that. I also went to dinner and there were rolls. I'm just saying, like, I love a bread basket. So <laughs> I'm a pretty easy sell with a bread basket and a comedy show. So I did that. And, oh, I just, I'm sure you realize this, but everyone's getting pottery for Christmas. So <laughs> I was at the pottery studio, like, twice in the past five days. Um, and I'm I'm getting better. Like, I'm, I think I might be able to actually produce a few things this go-round that can hold more than, you know, like half a cup of liquid. I think so, you are really good at it. I saw your pictures you. of the most recent batch and you you knocked my socks off, Kelly. Thanks. Well, 
I'm glad you like it because you will <laughs> definitely getting <laughs> be getting some of it for Christmas. Excellent. And, and Karen, if it falls off the back of a truck in between here and Seattle, that's I just don't need to know about that. Okay, but it is going to have to leave my house. Perfect. Send it. Send it Perfect. over here. I I'll have lots of there. lots of things I can put in it. I was thinking like cat dishes. You know. <gasps> oh, cute. Maybe, They'll be maybe Rory and Fifi need a new dedicated vessel. Merry Christmas to the baby cats. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year. That was a good. Uh, you filthy yeah. animal. <laughs> oh, it is almost Home Alone season. It, oh, it, it's almost oh, it time. <laughs> I I love Halloween movies like deeply oh, same. in my soul. Comma, the best movie ever made is Home Alone, and I stand by that and fight that me. Is correct. I I don't need to argue that it is a it's phenomenal watch. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yes. We are on the same page. Well, good. I'm glad we don't have to break up right before the holidays over this fundamental issue that does have a right answer. So that would be bad if we did, because I'm about to come see you, and we're going to record an episode together in person yes, in December in life. for the first time ever. <laughs> I know. Do you think we can? Do you think we'll be able to do it? I don't think so. I think I'll laugh too much. I won't be able to look directly in your eyes. No, we'll, we might have to You're be like, in separate <laughs> rooms. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll just, I'll hang a curtain in between us. Can't do it. Yep. Uh, well. well oh, uh, sorry. No, I we're on the on same your segue. page. No, we, we're just both. I'm so excited to talk about this so book, psyched. really. Oh, I my God. It. So, I mean, it, I just got to share, like, as we were reading this book this past week, we were mm-hmm. texting each other, like, oh, my God, this book is so good. Like, Constantly. It, it's insane. Um, So... This week, like Karen said, we read Teen Killers Club. And we did. normally, in normal super sleuth land, this would be our book intro section where typically we kind of talk about the author and, you know, whatever info we can find about the book. However, dun, 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 dun. Um, we are going to skip that this week because next week's episode is going to be our interview with the author of Teen Killers Club, Lily Sparks. I can't so, wait. I know. Like, we'll let her tell tell all of us about herself rather than trying to just, you know, parse down the Wikipedia information on her. And we can ask her all of her. I, I kind of feel like we are, this is our book report. And next week we get our grade from our teacher. Like, we find out what the real answers are. <laughs> She's so like, y'all I, were not we reading right. closely enough. It's like, you did not get understand what I was saying at all. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's going to be next week's episode. Uh, I think we should yeah. say, too. I, I mean, I've been jotting down my questions for Lily. Yes. Um, I cannot wait to ask her so many things. But you, our listeners, if you have questions you would like us to ask her, please let us know. Pretty Now's quick. Your time to shine. We'll ask. Yeah. If we'll... if you if you listen to this on like the the day or the day after it initially comes out, send us your questions for Lily. We'll put up an Instagram post about it, and if you want to throw any questions in there, we'll be sure to ask them. Um, or you can DM us on Instagram, whatever. Um, but we are going to be doing that taping with her the Saturday after this episode comes out. So good get them point. to us quick. Yep. Good point. Um, so, I mean, well, I'm just super excited that we get to talk to our first author. 
I am too. I cannot wait. I seriously have been like writing down questions like me a too. crazy person. So you may need to help me glean them. Otherwise, it will be a three-hour no, episode. No, I've got a list too. And I have a feeling we're going to come up with some more just like, so what were you thinking? My question is just always like, how do you write a novel? Right. Because How did you do this? I, like, logistically. So much admiration. Yeah. I I have a poetry major and I'm like, I write things that are maybe 13 lines long. <laughs> so a novel to me is like a feat. I'm massively impressed, I gotta say. I so. am too. Well, with that said, mm-hmm. I would love it if you, Kelly, could regale yes. us with the super fast plot overview, which, thank you so much, you wrote this week. I did. And also, people, reminder, spoilers, 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 spoilers. If you don't want this book to be spoiled for you, read it first and then listen to the next five minutes of our podcast. That's right. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Signal Deer has been wrongfully convicted of her best friend, Rose's, murder. The Wiley-Stanton test, a test that takes all of your personal data, runs it through an algorithm, and determines how dangerous you are to society, has classified Signal as a Class A, the literal worst of the worst. Signal assumes she'll spend the rest of her life in prison, until one day, a prison official named Dave offers her an opportunity to get out. He can't give her any details, but time is of the essence, so Signal blindly agrees. Along with another female prisoner named Nobody, who wears a ski mask, Signal is transferred to an old abandoned summer camp in the middle of nowhere. There, Signal and Nobody are introduced to a small group of quote-unquote campers, other Class A's. Dave is joined by fellow adult Kate, who explains that the teens are going to be trained as assassins. At camp, they will learn how not to get caught. After 17 years of assassination missions, they will be retired and can go free, if they survive. Signal is pretty upset about this because, well, she's never actually killed anyone, but she can't let any weakness show among this pure group of sociopaths and murderers. Before they go to sleep, though, Signal and Nobody are tackled by Dave while Kate injects them each with a kill switch, a death capsule that can be activated if they try to escape, go off course, or get violent. The campers are put through daily drills and tests to help them prepare for their upcoming missions. This includes things like running a nearly impossible obstacle course, disposing of fake dead bodies, learning how to dissolve things with acid, picking locks, scaling buildings, and using technology to kill. Soon, the campers become friends. Signal feels a connection with Javier, a nice guy who helps her pass the various challenges, and Eric, who quickly sees her for the innocent person she is. Eric wants to help Signal figure out who actually killed Rose. One night, a man wearing a dog mask attacks the campers in their bunks. The teen killers kill the man, but are not sure how he accessed the camp or why he tried to kill them. Shortly after, the mysterious camp director shows up, announcing the teens are going to immediately go on their first mission. When one of the campers protests, the director activates his kill switch, killing the camper instantly. Signal volunteers to go on a mission with Javier to California where she can investigate one of the men she suspects of Rose's murder. Before she leaves, she convinces Dennis, a tech wizard, to try to deactivate her switch while they're all off on their missions. If he gets it wrong, it will kill her, but if he gets it right, he can hopefully deactivate all of the teen killer's kill switches so they can all escape. Once in California, Signal's kill switch is successfully deactivated and she goes to investigate the suspect, during which time Eric shows up to help. The director calls, though, and tells Signal that if she doesn't go through with the mission, he'll activate her partner, Javier's kill switch. Signal and Javier go into a murderous cult to assassinate its leader. 
Once inside, they are separated and Signal finds herself alone with the cult leader. There, he reveals that he was a member of a former teen killers club, but is out. He's been expecting her because the new class's first mission always is to kill the last class. He then tries to attack her. Luckily, Eric and Javier show up in the Nickerson of Time, kill the cult leader, and cut out Signal's kill switch. Eric's kill switch has also been deactivated, but Javier's hasn't been. Eric stays behind to hold off the murderous cult members so Javier and Signal can escape. Signal is devastated to lose Eric, who she has fallen in love with. Once out of the cult, Javier phones the director and tells him that Eric and Signal both die in the mission. He puts Signal on a bus to Mexico and huzzah, Eric shows up, alive! The two of them vow to figure out a way to help their friends escape from the clutches of Dave, Kate, and the evil director. The end. So good. It's so good. Ugh. Ugh. Beautifully done. it, It was okay. This is a really good book, and it's there's a lot happening, and you just have to read it. Like, I've literally never read another book like this before. I haven't either. I haven't either. Oh, gosh. <sighs> well, Karen, before we dive into discussion on this book, overall thoughts and musings, please? Oh, well, as you just said, this book ruled. I, The plot is so unique. Yes. Never read another book like it. There was a cult, which mm-hmm. is always the best, always. Um, I got my personal favorite thing ever, a love triangle, which oh, I'm I'm yep. just always here for it. Always. And, I mean, there's well, a reason why it's it shows up, you know, yes. like they're always good. Um, we'll talk more about this later, but I fell deeply in love with Eric, the bad boy. Um, I am zero percent surprised by that. I would have had a Tiger Beat poster of him in my locker. <laughs> Eric feels very on brand for you. He, yes, I loved him. I was picturing like a young Jonathan Brandis as his character. Mm, you know, like the who floppy. Who you also had a Teen Tiger Beat poster of. I did. Like the floppy, or like, Ro, Ro, oh, not Romeo, Leonardo DiCaprio and Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, the floppy mm-hmm. banks. Um, yep. I will also say, I did my Karen special, which is switch back and forth between the audiobook and the print book, which oh, Lily, thank right. you so much, sent to us. The audiobook is fantastic. Is it? Cool. Yes. The narrator is great and is like the perfect voice for Signal. Very cool. I yeah, I I really don't listen to audiobooks that much just because I forget about it. So, well, it's on Libro FM. That's all is I'm going to say. And it's all right. Fantastic. I'm going to ask Lily about that too. I'm curious how that works as an author. Like, do you get to pick who the narrator is yeah, and like right? how involved are you? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> okay. Those are my thoughts and musings. How did you well, feel? Well, I, I like that you would have had a Tiger Beat poster of a psychopath. Um, <laughs> I had one of Alex P. Keaton, but that kind of shows our generational divide right there. So uh, not a joke. Um, oh, I loved it. This this book was like, it was Friday the 13th meets Twilight meets The Breakfast Club. Like it had oh. all of those things. And I... I mean, I don't know. I'll be curious to talk to Lily more about it. But I just, as as a true crime, someone who has an interest in true crime, I don't want to say a true crime lover. That sounds horrible. But someone who has, has an interest in true crime, I felt like there was, there were like all kinds of little, not really Easter eggs necessarily, but like kind of references or nods to major true crime cases that, oh. you know, like, I mean, I don't know. I definitely got... Um, you know Manson family from the whole cult thing at the end you know having this charismatic leader with a whole bunch of 
hippie girls. Yeah, you know, like yep. that's kind of different. Um, but very Manson family. You know, there's there's definitely an element of Eric is kind of Ted Bundy like potentially. Ooh, you're so right. So yes. I don't like again. I don't know if I'm like just drawing connections because I want to see them, but I'm really curious to kind of hear what some of her inspiration was. Inspiration, inspiration was for some of these different things. But um, I think my favorite part was well, we'll talk about it in a minute. But the the whole setting of the like abandoned summer camp was so great it really was there's nothing (laughs) creepier than an abandoned summer camp when is ever any when has anything good ever happened in an abandoned summer camp like zero percent ever no someone is always going to get murdered there i this is something that like plagues me but a couple years ago i went to la Uh to visit my bff jessica Mm -hmm. and i thought i was your bff kelly you listen a girl what? can have a tight-knit crew best, of BFFs. Best implies... I'm just kidding. I'm totally Superior, a, a pyramid. <laughs> it does. It does. It best implies that there is a singular, but I'm just okay. messing with you because I also have 35 best friends. <laughs> but you're so, my best best friend, Karen. Oh, I love you Say it so back. Much. You're my best best friend, Thank Kelly. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no pressure. I'm just like sweating over here. Say it now, Karen. So All right, anyways, rate, so you go to L.A. to visit your second best friend, Jess. <laughs> and we're walking around um, this big park that's outside of Beverly Hills. I forget the name of it, but it's kind of like a nature preserve with like a lake and you can wander around. As we were wandering around, it's, it's, you would not believe this was in L.A. It is very woodsy. And we're walking around this lake and there are cables, like big, thick cables running everywhere. And then we start seeing signs on like trees and no parking signs and it it is very clear that a movie is about to be Mm. filmed there or a show or something and we get to the other side of the lake and she's she's like oh this all wasn't here before and there were all these like buildings and there were canoes and like tents and stuff so it was clearly the set of whatever was about to be filmed Mm -hmm. 100 percent or like this is an abandoned summer camp oh my god and I've never figured out, we've tried so hard to figure out what it was that was being filmed there. Um, I think the signs just said the name of the studio. It was like Universal. Um, so we don't know wow. what it was, but it was definitely, and it was noon. It was bright outside and I was just yeah. getting creeped out walking through it. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> wow. I wonder if it was that, um, I won't be able to think of the name of it, but it came out like maybe right before the pandemic. It was. It's a cult movie though. Uh, oh, but it's like it probably wasn't filmed here. I think it was Swedish, maybe. I don't know. Somebody will know what I'm talking about. Anyway, that's interesting. Yeah. So that will, I, that like plagues me. I've never figured it out. I if anyone knows, you know what was filmed in L.A. At, like Griffith Park it, two years ago. <laughs> please let me know. Uh, uh, okay. Well, and, sorry. and ironically, not ironically, strangely enough, I just started, and there are no spoilers here, but. Um, I just started the, like, fourth Truly Devious book. Oh, yes. So that one, I, I again, I've read, like, a chapter of it, but it's, it's like a standalone book, but it's with the same characters. So Stevie, I think is the main character's name. Yeah. Um, she's back in it, and, but she's investigating a whole new crime. Um, and it takes place at a summer camp. <laughs> fun. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. So fun. 
Anyway. There's also a whole season of American Horror Story in an abandoned summer camp. Oh, but really? I, do you watch that? I love that show. I, I've watched some of it. I My favorite and maybe my last one that I watched was um, the one with Stevie Nicks in it. The Witches Oh, that one. was very good. Yeah. When Stevie Nicks was dancing by that piano, Ugh. I was like both crying and laughing hysterically. It was like just the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Coven. I think that was it the was witch Coven. season. Yes. yes. Coven. That's right. Which was fantastic. Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts. Because that was, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, those shows really freak me out. So I, I don't watch them because they really freak me out. Um, but I did like Coven. Coven was great. Partially because it was, you know, based off of real true stories from New Orleans. Like the, the, I don't, do they call him the Axeman or the Jazzman of New Orleans? Oh, yeah. I think the Jazzman, yes. (sighs) And then the. So creepy. The, the, I can't remember the name of the woman that the Kathy Bates character plays, but anyway, it's like real stuff. So anyway, very spooky. Anyway, moving right along. Well, okay. Let's talk about our favorite parts of this book. There's, Oh, many to discuss. Yeah. Um, would yeah. you like to Would you like to tee us up here, Kelly? Sure. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with what I we talked about first in this episode, which is the Wiley Stanton test. Oh, I love it. This is one of those things that I find I want more information about this. Just period. I do too, and I actually the way that Lily wrote this, it was so real and just like assumed knowledge i actually googled Googled it it. i was like is this real oh my god i'm so glad that it wasn't just me i wrote down i said it took me far too long to figure out that this was not a real test like i I, i'm okay i feel better because i thought it was real it's like is this this can't be real and then i kept reading and was like oh no okay it's definitely not real but it's a little too close to home like it could easily be real yep um, and then, so so there's kind of two things that are, so this Wiley Stanton test, it's not a huge focus in the book. It's referenced a few times because all of the kids that go to this camp to be turned into assassins are in this class A category, yep. which my reading of it was that you don't have to be a killer to be a class A. And if yes. you are a killer, you're not necessarily a class A. I think that's exactly correct because uh, Dennis who is a character in this, has not actually harmed anyone, but he took this test and he is in hot water because it's like you have a likely, a high likelihood of being a killer. Well, I want to come back to Dennis. I'm glad you brought him up. But so, so with that, there is also a new kind of political ideation that has emerged along Mm. with the Wiley Stanton test um, called the protectionists who it's, Uh, If I'm remembering correctly, like, this is kind of like Minority Report a little bit, where um, they can predict who is going to be a danger to society and preemptively lock them up. Yep. So that's what the protectionists want to do. So all of that being said, Signal, our main character, we know did not kill anyone. No. And unlike Dennis, who does want... He does want to harm people. He just has, like, enough of a glimmer of a conscience or so. Like, he's not a sociopath, I guess. Um, He recognizes that he wants to harm other people. So before he can, he kind of, like, submits himself to 
the courts, I guess, to like yeah. make sure he doesn't. Yep. But but he he does have the mentality. Um, Signal doesn't. Like she's she like is constantly getting sick by like the sight of fake blood and you know yep. the idea of having to like burn a fake body and and then my god the idea of actually having to kill somebody on these assassination missions is like so abhorrent to her that she begs Dennis to experiment with turning off her kill switch even if it literally kills her so that she doesn't have to do this so all of that being said here is my question and I want your speculation and then we'll ask Lily the real answer if she'll tell us is the Wiley Stanton test flawed Mm. and did signal get put on the class A list in error because this test is supposed to be based off of data, not off of your actions, right? Yeah. Or was she set up? <gasps> I did put even on the class A list. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. So either way there are some interesting implications. Right. I think oh, you are onto something here. I bet I bet because they saw her, she's like basically in jail for murdering, brutally murdering her friend, which she mm-hmm. didn't do. I bet they were like, this kid is going to be locked up forever. They're going to throw away the key. Let's call it a class A result and ship her off to camp. Maybe. And ship her off to camp. Okay, I have an alternate theory. Okay. I I have two alternate theories. Number one, number one theory is that the test is actually flawed, but it's close enough that the government and particularly the protectionists are willing to have some collateral damage Yep. in order to keep the system in place. But yep. that information is not out there. The public thinks it's 100% accurate. Or number two, I didn't really get into this into the super fast plot, but Eric and Signal do solve Rose's uh her who who killed rose they solve that yes the 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 rose's death is what signals in prison for so they figure out that long story short it was her mother and her mother uh janine i think is her name janine janine had been a teen killer and she was she was pardoned out of the program when she got pregnant with Rose and the father is Dave. Oh, yes. Yes. Who also is a teen killer. Yes. So that is explained as that's why, like, Dave was super hard on Signal during this book and, like, really trying to make her life in particular hell. Um, and that's that's why, is that he was trying to get revenge for her killing his daughter. Yeah. So I think Dave put her on the class a list so that he could get her out of prison where he could he could make sure she died i think you are correct that is such a good theory and point yep i think i think both of your theories are right though because as with all things in these types of government programs and stuff Mm -hmm. i'm sure they're like listen we know this is not a one-for-one metric it is not accurate but like good enough let it mm-hmm. ride it gives yeah. the populace a general sense of security 
we lose a few mm-hmm. here and there. I I just watched The Purge last night, so like, oh, I'm, why? Why do you do these things? <laughs> I'm just like very uh, just these government programs. You know, they they don't care. They're like give no, the people it's... a sense of a false sense of security. I I thought the Wiley Stanton test was one of the scarier parts of this book because Agreed. like we talked about, it was so possible that both of us thought it was maybe a little bit real for a I totally thought yes I thought it was real the whole like not the whole time but yeah the first several chapters <laughs> yeah I mean it was it's basically the Myers-Briggs of Killers. criminal world yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um anyway that was one of my favorite parts okay well let's talk about the cast of characters in this mm. book but specifically I want to focus on the campers. Yes. So Signal goes to this camp. She and nobody arrive on the same day, but there are already, I think, what, uh, six other people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's six. Mm-hmm. I think there's eight campers mm-hmm. in total. So six of these little Class A folks yes. have already been there for several days. Yep. And we slowly get to know them. And they are so fun and enjoyable. They are, despite the fact that they're a straight, stone-cold bunch of psychos. <laughs> yes. So we've talked about Signal. She is high school goth with a heart of gold. She is suspected of brutally murdering her best friend, but has no memory of doing it and is like, this does not add up. I don't think I did this. Um, so we know why she is there. Oh, I have to sneeze. Oh, go ahead. Oh, nope. I said it out loud. Nope, and now it's- nope you jinxed yourself. Oh, that's how sneezes into, work i'm looking into the light it's oh it'll it'll arrive at some point a sneeze disappears when called by its name oh <laughs> it's like it's like a ghost oh oh good to know yeah. be gone i was um, just gonna say be gone sneeze and it will <laughs> snoot right back up your snorker those are so, real words i loved it i love Thank it you. Uh, we've talked a little bit about dennis but let's discuss him just a bit more because he is one of my I think all the campers are my favorite camper Um, Karen we just talked about superlatives (laughs) there can only be one favorite there can only be one favorite well Dennis is a real great little dude so he um, as you mentioned has never actually hurt anyone but knows that he has a high likelihood of doing so and has kind of handed himself in he's like lock me up don't let me have access to people I am a danger I am a menace um, is that why Dennis? his name is Dennis? I, as soon as I said it, I was like, not intentional. But Dennis but the maybe it is to society. Add that to the Lily list. Yep, we're going to ask her. Um, Dennis is uh, like a hacker. He's a tech guy, which is so fun. Um, so he like builds websites on the dark web that are shady AF um he i'm slightly disturbed that you keep describing all of this activity as fun (laughs) it's fun to read about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like denoted karen (laughs) dennis can't maybe i'm an a a class a um he oh he there's one activity he's doing where he learns how to hack pacemakers so that they will turn off and kill the people that they're embedded in um and woof freaky freaky um he there was something about like training him to like my worst nightmare like bring down planes oh don't like that yep super hate that um and but like basically you know like now nowadays everything has a a technology 
technological brain to it, you know? Totally. So, you know, you can wreck a car, you can crash a plane, you can turn off somebody's Ugh. pacemaker. Like, everything is hackable. Totally. That's And that is Dennis's jorb in all of this. Um, so he's tech, <laughs> tech guy, and his mission has something to do with, like, hacking into the mainframe um, of his target he has all these like servers and complicated computer stuff but Mm -hmm. as you mentioned dennis saves the day he agrees to try to hack the kill switches and turn them off and that is a fascinating part of this book it sure is it really is because if he messes up they're gonna die she's dead yep well not only is she gonna die they're also gonna know like yes and that's that's what i find so fascinating it's i mean Lily had to be really smart about writing this book because she had to think about all the unintended consequences of the things she put her her characters through. You know, like Ooh, good point. I was thinking about that with Dennis especially. Like and and she accounted for this in the book. Like there is no way that with as closely as they're tracking these kids on these missions that he would be able to hack these kill switches without anybody knowing you know so it had to be like and she addresses all of that it's really it's really clever so yup it is anyway um okay other campers we've got jada who yep refers to herself she's like in the in this world there are barbies and there are skippers i am a barbie signal you are a skipper (laughs) so jada's like a popular i would say She's definitely a popular, yes. A little bit of a mean girl vibe to her, um, but... Uh, I mean, a tiny bit. She does try to literally give Signal at one point, um, like, Joker she tries smile. to cut her a smile, like the Joker, yeah. There is a name for that. Really? Yeah, there's a name for that. Uh, I'm, I gotta look that up really fast. Stand by. I'll edit this part out. What is it called when you cut someone a smile? That's a weird Ugh. thing to type. Now a you're on Glasgow, the class Right? A Glasgow smile. <gasps> oh my God, that's so horrifying. I didn't know it was such a known thing that it has a term. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's a wound caused by making a cut from the corners of a victim's mouth up to the ears, leaving a scar in the shape of a smile. <laughs> it's the Joker. Yeah. Well, so Jada does this to Signal because she thinks signal is a threat to her relationships with the boys at camp and they end up becoming friends though they they bond and jada ends up being a a comrade i would say um anything else on jada well jada we'll talk about this more in a minute but like we don't get too deep into most of their backstories so we do kind of it is kind of hinted though that jada has some pretty rough um possibly possibly even sexual abuse from her stepbrother yes and so her story in particular is one that i really find interesting because for her to land on the class a list when she seems she seems like a creation of her environment Mm -hmm. like she's she's suffering from psychological trauma you know um it seems a little bit once again like a miscategorization so i have questions about this test 
I'm I do too. Senator. And that is a good segue into the next person I want to talk about who is nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody is awesome. Nobody is this like six foot tall gal who immediately kind of pairs up with Signal. Like Signal has her back, so she starts having Signal's back. Nobody has severe third degree burns on her arms and she always wears a ski mask. So everyone assumes that her face is severely burned. Um, we don't get a ton of nobody's backstory either, but it ha- we know it has something to do, these burns have something to do with her parents, I believe. Yes, yes that's um, correct. So shuddery implied backstory there. <sighs> favorite part, ugh, I'm being really hyperbolic today. A favorite <laughs> part, a part of this book that I really enjoyed. I'm, Karen, don't change for me or anyone. I love your hyperbolic <laughs> hyperbolicism. It's my favorite thing about you. Sold. Um, at some point, she uh, saves all of the campers from the dog face mask man. It's true, yeah. Single-handedly. Yeah. And he rips her mask off while she is ending his life to save yeah. the campers. And she's, not only is she not burned on her face, she is like the most beautiful woman anyone has ever seen ever. in their life. Second only to Nancy Drew. Second only to Nancy. Yes. And we learn that her real name is Lark. And they're like, why do you wear this mask? You are the hottest woman alive. And she's like, I don't like the way people treat me because I'm so pretty. So Yeah, they expect things of you. Yeah, yeah. I I loved that that. whole scene in the cabin. So this guy breaks in all of the campers except for Signal, who basically, like, cowers, which, understandably, um, attack him to try to, like, take him down. And, uh... Sign- uh, nobody does it but uh then there's this very wonderful moment where they kind of simultaneously rip each other's masks off yeah in, in a great like scooby-doo reveal and I <laughs> yes it. so uh well okay so hustling through my list of campers we have twins kurt and yep. troy who i i don't know if you've ever watched the show letter kenny no it is one of the funniest shows of all time. It's about it's a Canadian show, and there are these two bros in the show who are like surfers, kind of. They're like always working out, like never skip leg day, bro. Like that <laughs> was Kurt and Troy. They're just like yes. bro to the core. Yeah, they're like always busting funnies. And then they, Troy, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh no, that's okay. I don't think we ever know what they did to wind up in trouble, we but don't. they allege to have multiple kills between the mm-hmm. two of them. Yeah, and Troy is the camper that the director kills. Yes, the director like to make an switch. example yeah. of him. Which is horrible. Like that was awful. his twin, like, grieve for him. I mean, it was horrible. It was horrible. Yep. Hated it. Um, okay, the last two campers, I don't think we should say much about because we're going to talk about the love triangle later. But we have Eric and Javier, the two men who immediately fall deeply in love with our heroine, Signal Deer. So let's talk about Eric and Javier later, but I do want to know, no hyperbole, if you had to pick one, who would be your favorite camper and why? Mm, I would have to say probably nobody. <gasps> Me too! Was it? Yep, she's my favorite too. I, I want to know more about her. Yep. Even though I respect her privacy. <laughs> and she scares me a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I think she's probably got a pretty interesting slash terrible story. 
Yep. And but I think one of the things I love so much about her was that how how much she had signals back. Same here. Yeah. Like and and how she's super perceptive, like she picks up on really small little just ver- visual cues from people and acts on it. Mm-hmm. And I just I don't know, I thought she was a cool character. I want to see her I want to see her in action. Yep. So. Like and if you're in the slammer, this is the person you want on your side. Like this is the person to cozy up to. She like at the beginning can see that people are being a little rough on old signal and she like puts her arm around her and she's like stop messing with my girlfriend and people are like oh she's your lady i'm scared of you so i'm not gonna mess with her and then and then nobody's like p.s i actually do have a girlfriend so don't get any ideas signal (laughs) (laughs) and i deeply love her yeah yep love keep your mitts off yep but then the second she picks up that first of all that signal is safe and that signal has a crush on somebody she like nobody makes an announcement like we broke up we're cool though <laughs> yes yep I was like she's available all right like nobody is is in in the crew for sure so yep love her yep that concludes my obsession with the campers <laughs> okay cool so we gotta talk about camp like yes, camp in general so mm-hmm. okay couple of bullet points under camp because we kind of talked about how great the setting generally is um we have co-ed lodging we did oh my goodness if i had been reading this in middle school i would have been like this this would have been sexier than dirty dancing which was pretty (laughs) damn sexy (laughs) it was dirty dancing and grease (laughs) the young the young people listening to the show are like what are you talking about like what (laughs) don't worry about it yes the co-ed lodging was really I, I want to use the word titillating, but I hate that word so much. But I did mm. like when they had like a slumber party, like they yes. sneak some like some sour cream and onion ruffles and some candy and they're yes. laying in their sleeping bags. And I'm like, it, it gets immediately interrupted by a murderer, but by, by a murder. <laughs> and then they have to, then they have to all carry a body out to a lake. So it's different than the slumber parties I've been to, but same. there were still M&Ms. <laughs> totally. My favorite, my favorite part of that whole scene was, the girls are like, what? You guys have never been to a slumber party before? And one of the twins goes, yeah, we call them sleepovers, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, that is a good point. <laughs> and Troy, being the sociopath that he is, like, they have to kill this guy. There's, like, blood everywhere. And he's like, oh, he ruined the M&Ms. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, maybe he is a classic. Like, he's definitely a classic. Oh, I think those twins are definitely straight up little like little killers but for sure uh yeah yeah, he was he was much more upset about his bloody m&ms than the dead guy on the floor (laughs) but uh okay so there was that um let's talk about the obstacle course so every uh uh-huh every morning at camp like at, at the first light of dawn when when the cock crows or something else (laughs) similar (laughs) Dave comes and like drags them all out of their bunks and makes them go run this obstacle course that as I was reading this I was like how does anyone do this like I don't know this and and this is just going off memory but like 
they basically have to do some some of the kind of normal obstacle course things that are st- like normal not for me i mean i would say like normal for like a marine right but, you know like climb up you know walls like you know repel up walls and stuff like that can you repel up or can you only repel i think you you can only go down but i'm with you (laughs) yeah yeah like you use a rope and you kind of drag yourself up this wall and then you got to jump really far and you hope you don't break your ankle so there's a couple of those and but then they get to these like fake buildings that they have to there's no ropes there's no ladders or anything they have to kind of like parkour up the side of these buildings yep um yeah it sounds nigh on impossible but everyone just kind of like it's like no problem except for signal who faints like like a real human is like what (laughs) yeah she faints and when she wakes up creepy little jada standing over her like don't touch my man (laughs) (laughs) yep it's like yeah high school um yeah so would you have made it through absolutely not i would not have made it through that at all this reminds me of like the spartan races that people do for fun for some reason where it's like not only are you running 14 miles every mile there is an obstacle that you have to complete like uh, what no absolutely not they tried to get me to climb a rope at crossfit a few weeks ago i tried one time and i was like thank you so much i'm gonna go refill my water bottle let me know when this portion of class is over (laughs) I'm opting out. This is I not. Pa- I pay happening. you. I'm paying you. <laughs> I was just like, this is adorable. There I is no way I'm making it up that rope. So it at the peak of my fitness, which was candidly probably four years old, but at the peak of my fitness, I could not have climbed up a rope. No, like. A rope with no knots, and absolutely not. It's not happening. So No, forget knots. Like, you still have to go vertical. I mean, a knot would help, mm-hmm. but no. It's really, what I did learn, though, is that the rope climb is really about your leg strength. You're just kind of dangling with your arms, and it's about hoisting your legs up and then pushing up from there each time. So you're kind of inchworming up it. So it's really about, mm. I was it's always. It's not a pull, it's a push. I said in this class, I was like, I don't have enough upper body strength for this yet. And they're like, oh, you'll be fine then. It's about leg strength. And I'm like, like, god damn. Then that. I I take back what I said. I don't have that either. (laughs) When you said, I'm going to, what did you say? I'm going to. Refill my water bottle. Refill my water bottle. I thought you were getting ready to say, I'm going to go read my book until you're done with this. (laughs) Mm. also possible (laughs) also possible i'm sure you have a book with you going to that class Uh, i did try to hide in the bathroom once there was like a jump roping thing i didn't want to do and i tried to hide in the bathroom and the coach came and found me and was like we're starting now karen you're like right which is why i'm in here sir no one's in here i when when at one point in time i had paid money for a personal trainer to try to, you know, browbeat me into making better life decisions. And her name was Natalie. She was adorable. She was smaller in every dimension than I was. And I figured out that I could make Natalie laugh without even trying hard. (laughs) So I tried hard to make her laugh. Like it was like Kelly the Apollo. (laughs) And every time she would start laughing, I could stop doing whatever it was. So genius. Oh, I was preparing like a full set 
every time I went to that gym. <laughs> That's a great survival mechanism. It it was it was for that for that specific thing. Yes. You're like Kurt and Troy at camp. You're just busting funnies. Well, I don't know about that, but it it, <laughs> it preserved me for a time. So um, okay, so we had that. Let's talk about the color war. Oh I, yes. Oh, when the color war started, I hopped up and down and clapped my hands. So the color war in this book is <laughs> they all get a different color Sharpie mm-hmm. and they have to hunt each other and try to slash each other's throats with their oh my Sharpie. God. <laughs> Twisted. It's so good. It's so messed up and so good. Um, but there's another component to the, to the to the color war. There's the vicious fake throat slashings. And then there's this, what they keep calling the scavenger hunt. Oh, yes. And I found this scavenger hunt very interesting. Please discuss. I think everybody assumes it's a scavenger hunt. They're going to get a list of things and they have to go find them or whatever. But then the scavenger hunt is presented and it's a list of attributes slash backstory, like anonymous backstory of their fellow campers. So one of them is like... like dirty secrets. Dirty secrets. And the scavenger hunt is they have to figure out who each, like, which camper belongs to which dirty secret. Yep. Yep. And Signal, because she's, like, a good person and doesn't want to do this, um, for a couple of reasons. One, One of them is because she hasn't actually killed anybody, which is on the list, and she's really trying hard to not let people find out that she hasn't killed anybody because she thinks that that will make her a target. Yep. But she kind of, like, throws the scavenger hunt and says, I'm not playing. And the rest of them follow suit and say, we're not, we're not doing this. This is mean. But I want to know who all those people are. Oh, a full same. I want to know who all them are. And it, I kind of mentioned this in my, in my, in my earlier remarks, Karen. Um, (laughs) I've been watching a lot of Madam Secretary. So like I have remarks now, like that's (laughs) what we do. Um, I, it gave me real breakfast club vibes. Like, yeah. Yep. You know, like this list of just, cold attributes yep not and i think that's part of lily's point in this book is that you know if you distill a human being down to their worst moment that you're missing a lot about them so beautifully said however i don't care about any of that i want to know who did all this stuff and i want all the grisly details oh i think we're gonna mm, i'm gonna tease this i'll say more later but i think we're gonna get them kelly Mm, i hope so last thing the kill switches. Mm. Yep. So this was an ingenious way for these campers to have a little bit of physical freedom to like run around and like explore this camp, et cetera, et cetera. And then to eventually go off onto these like GPS track missions where they can like be out of handcuffs and things like that. Um, apparently they hurt really bad getting implanted. Yep. Didn't like the thought of that. And then, of course, Troy gets his kill switch flipped. I mean, it's definitely held over all of their heads. I mean, it's a, uh, it's like a shot collar on a dog, but it's literally that same kind of thing. They have a digital perimeter they can't go outside of or else automatically their kill switch will flip. 
Yeah, and like the people in charge, like Kate and Dave, and then this director that shows up, have just like a key fob that they wear on yeah. a bracelet on their wrist. And yeah. anytime they feel like somebody's getting unruly, they like point it at them, like, Yeah, I own you. Ugh. Yeah, don't like, don't like. So, and but then an, an, oh, an ingenious sorry. idea. An ingenious idea, indeed. And it, it was really interesting it, right when Signal and nobody get to camp because Signal cannot believe that she has been basically in solitary confinement for a couple a, a while, a long time. And she's like, you're just going to let me run around? Like, I can, I could, and she's already planning her escape. Like, I'm going to steal a boat and go across this lake. Like, I can't believe they're just letting all of us out of maximum security prison and then mere hours later they shove this thing in her neck and she's like oh there it is okay there well, it is found yeah. it <sighs> creepy mm-hmm. um do you want to talk about the murder case signals oh, you know murder case okay so everyone thinks that signal killed her best friend rose in a gory, br- gruesome, brutal way. Um, basically, Signal comes to in a shed in the woods with her murdered best friend in her lap. She has no recollection of what happened, but there are there's no evidence in this shed that would point to anyone else doing it. So they basically lock her up, throw away the key. Everyone hates her. Is like, Signal did it. She is the worst. Um, so subplot of you know this whole camp story is that signal starts to pick up different clues and starts to have memories of this thanks Mm -hmm. to co-camper eric who is also very obsessed with this case and is like Mm -hmm. i you didn't do this and i know you didn't and i am interested in helping solve this um so i don't know i where where do we even start with this like it was so fascinating she's she is sleuthing all Mm -hmm. in nancy to try to exonerate herself, essentially, yeah. for While missing locked time. in this, like, you know, she's she's locked up still. You know, she doesn't yes. have access to the internet. She doesn't have access. Now she doesn't even have access to, like, a lawyer or anything. So um, I had a theory early on. Really? And it was wrong. But Who did you think I, it was? I thought it was Eric. <gasps> oh, and that's why he's so obsessed with it? Uh-huh. I thought we were going to find out that Eric had some, I mean, first of all, Eric is kind of set up to be like a little bit of a Ted Bundy. Like he kills, we don't have, we don't know anything about the people he's killed, which I need to know. Yep. But um, he's kind of made out to be like a psychopath. Like he's not, he's not killing in revenge or like out of some kind of motivation. It's just, he likes to mess with people and, yeah um so i thought that maybe either he stumbled upon rose just she happened to just you know be off the right highway and got unlucky or you know we were going to find out he was this like anonymous boyfriend um from like her church or something like that um and that he then was like saw an opportunity to continue messing with signal Mm. by by number one helping her solve the case and number two getting her to fall in love with him oh that's good so i i was like oh he's we're gonna find out that it was him and this whole thing has been just like an extension of the original 
murder. Yep. Yep. But I actually thought, I was like, that would be interesting if that's what it was. I thought it was going to end up being her stepdad, though. I did, too. I thought it was the stepdad because Rose, or sorry, Signal kind of flashes back to memories of hanging out with Rose. And Mm -hmm. the stepdad is always, like, slut-shaming Rose for Mm -hmm. what she's wearing. Rose has a lock on the inside of her bedroom door to keep people out. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, this stepdad is bad news. So I was... I had all my eggs in that basket. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if this was in any way based off a real, a real case. If there was any kind of like true crime element to it, um, I, I really did not see the thing with her mom coming at all. And then no, he, I didn't like, either. You know, finding out that her mom had been like in a previous quote unquote teen killers club. That also means, though, too, that I'm just now realizing that her mom is a target. That is correct. And that, Except her mom was quote unquote pardoned. She wasn't oh, retired. Yeah. That's true because because of her birth of Rose. Interesting. So maybe she's not. Okay. All right. But you would still think she would be a liability. Absolutely. Which is presum- presumably why they they kill off the old classes. Like they don't want their liability. They know too much, right? Yep. Um, and also they're dangerous. <laughs> so, dangerous. Uh, They've murdered many. There's so much happening. Um, okay. Let's talk about the love triangle. Yes! All oh. right. I, you know what? Why don't you talk about the love triangle? Oh, No, I'm going to talk about the love triangle. Okay, I'm happy so. either way. All right. So the love triangle, we've got Eric and we've got Javier. And yes, we just, do. Just to throw this into some more common reference, if you have not read the book, Eric is the equivalent of... Edward and Javier is the equivalent of Jacob. <laughs> like Javier is right. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Eric is slightly dangerous, super dangerous. Um, he's like gorgeous and like the most beautiful man that ever was. He's like got these muscles that you can see from like 19 kilometers away. Yeah. I don't know why I went with kilometers. That's weird. But um, <laughs> he's he's mysterious. He doesn't want to be with her. She doesn't want to be with him, but they do. And then we've yeah. got Javier. Like cold. Yeah. Yes. Cold like a vampire. Yup. <laughs> then we've got Javier, who's warm like a wolf. And, yep. <laughs> Javier, and Javier is like, he's actually a nice guy like we do he is the one person whose backstory we actually find out about and he has one kill and it was in revenge for the drive-by shooting of his 12 year old brother yes so he's not just like this raging psychopath that is just like kill 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 he like yeah he took revenge for this senseless death and now he's you know up against dream boy eric but like javier is actually a nice guy and, you know, that's sometimes just not as sexy as the psychopath bad boy. So <laughs> anyway, she kind of goes back and forth with these two guys. So we just taught, had I just posed this question to you weeks ago, Karen, with the Hawthorne boys. But oh, yes. Which would you pick? And I know what and tell me why it's Eric. I oh, I love Eric. I think that. <laughs> So actually, I'll start with why it's not Javier. Okay, all right, even better. Javier did not pass the vibe check for me um, because Agreed. they there's a brief moment in time when 
the two are kind of considering themselves boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And he, the way he spoke to her just made me like, like so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like they have one kiss and then it's mm-hmm. like, well, we're officially a couple now. And mm-hmm. he keeps, he calls her gorgeous in every sentence. He's yeah. like, it's a lot. Let me, do you need my jacket gorgeous? What can I do yeah. for you gorgeous? And I'm, it just really made me super uncomfortable to the point yeah. that I started not liking not him. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this. that's not, that's, that's there was there was up. a little bit too much like um planting his flag per se on yeah. the old signal mountain <laughs> <laughs> i'm like she did not say you could make this facebook official javier no and he makes her uncomfortable too like there are a yes, couple of times like where he like just immediately then like smooches her in front of all the other campers and she's like mm-hmm. i don't know that i was ready for that uh right but um, okay, so, so all right, the, I I accept all of those things and I agree with you. Yes, um, he was a little on the needy side for me. Um, a tad. Yes, um, Eric. Listen, is he a good choice? Probably not. However, I think that Eric is devoted to her in a way that tangibly matters. He is dedicated to helping her solve this case and exonerating her. He doesn't judge her for not having killed someone like she thinks the other campers will. He's like, I I know you didn't. I could see it written all over your face from the day that I met you. Let's solve this crime together. Um, and he really bends over backwards to, like, protect her. And, I mean, he comes out of nowhere in the, the final scene, which we will discuss, and is the reason that she is alive. I mean, both of them are. Javier and Eric both save her, but... I don't know. I just think he put in the work to prove that he is boyfriend material. Wow. Uh. <laughs> and that concludes my Eric obsession. Who would you pick and why? <laughs> well, let me tell you why it's not Eric. Because <laughs> um, he's I, insane. <laughs> I love your optimism. Comma. <laughs> he has killed many people and we even like i very frequently like in a uh, just I'll, I'll quit talking like that let me let me regroup they tell us exactly what eric's tactic is right up front eric likes to get in people's heads break them down get them to trust him and then use that against them he That's literally true. tells Signal that. He tells her that. You're totally right. That's really bad. <laughs> and so while I want to believe that this gorgeous, beautiful, hunky savior Eric is doing all of these things because Signal, in the week that they've known each other, has reformed him where no therapist in all the land has been able to, I have not been able to bring myself to think that he's not, this has not actually all just been him messing with her. An elaborate hoax. Yeah. That's a really good point. He is definitely uh, what one would call high likelihood to be an emotionally abusive gaslighter. Correct. And I really want to know 
what he did. I want to know about those kills. Because if there is innocent, uh, I mean, not innocent, that's not the right word, but like if they are, if they have a rational motivation for them, like Javier's did, mm-hmm. then okay, like maybe I can wrap my brain around the idea that he's not, he's not messing with her. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm curious if we find out that, you know, the 10 girls that he killed, he all convinced them that he loved them and that they were his soulmate and got them to fall in love with him. And then he got them alone on a mountainside and like, you know, took out their kidney. <laughs> Jeez. I'm just, I'm just spitball. We just don't know. We don't know. But there is a moment where Signal brings this up and she's like, I don't even know what you did. You've killed like five people. I don't trust you. And he gets very wounded and is like, that's rude. I asked you about Rose and let you be honest with me. You've never even asked. You've never tried to get to know me. You don't know why I've killed five people. And she's like, well, tell me. And he's like, well, now I'm not going to tell you because you're being a jerk. And so I. What were you just saying about gaslighting? (laughs) I think that he, I think he's going to fall into like Javier camp where Mm, he was like saving a school of orphans and accidentally burnt the building down. He was driving that busload of nuns and the back tire blew out and they went over a cliff and he's the only one that survived. Yeah. He's like, I tried to save him, but the bus just, it was like a prayer for Owen Meany. It just went down (laughs) and I couldn't. I couldn't get to him fast enough. Maybe he Eric saved four nuns, but the other five nuns. didn't make it. We don't we don't know, Kelly. No, but we do know. Like, I'm leaving I, the door open. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love you so much. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> well. So wait, hang on, though. Does that mean what? you pick neither Eric or Javier? Which is a valid uh, answer. Yeah, no, I think I would pick nobody. The girl or? Yes. Or Signal is single. Either or both. (laughs) Uh, Like, if I had to pick one of the campers, I would pick nobody. Yeah, I agree. If I could pick none of the campers, I would pick no one. Got it. Okay. Fair answer. Because they're crazy people, Karen. (laughs) It's not good. It's not a good pool of dating options. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they all got to be friends. But, like, isn't that trying to, like, figure out which one of the cannibals you want to go to dinner with? <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe cast a wider net and trying to find love. <laughs> like, let's focus on that exoneration piece of things. And like, maybe we'll get out in the real world, find a nice boy with a nine to five who hasn't killed anybody yet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's, fair. that's <sighs> fair. I think she's setting the bar a little bit low. <laughs> well, little bit low. moving on from this, we'll agree to disagree. I... <laughs> want to talk about my last favorite thing which is that we got a cult in this book which to your point is very manson-y um it's like a what's like a compound in the middle of nowhere that has like armed guards out front it's got barbed wire everywhere there's a sign that says trespassers will be shot and it's basically this magnetic person a man named angel who has gathered these beautiful young women around him and it's very it's a very like celestial cult like they all have names like star bright and i mean he literally tries he literally tries to name signal celestial um but it's like a a cult it's like like, his name is angel yes get it yep yep you're like yes i also picked up on that (laughs) 
there were like big midsummer vibes like the movie midsummer karen like that's the movie i was trying to think of when you were talking about what was filming in the park i was trying to think of midsummer oh but, god it's so good but that but that wasn't at a summer camp so no that was like at a nordic that's middle so of funny that you just said that but but very much what this cult is um yes. like women in flowing dresses and they like all eat and gather around his feet and uh, mm-hmm. it's creepy and these girls are creepy they all have like knives strapped to their thighs because mm-hmm. they will kill you if you're an intruder the cult is so scary it's very scary like i mean you can see that he's employing like all the normal brainwashing tactics on on these people too like he's keeping them starved he's keeping them tired he's keeping them cold yep um uh, the the thing that creeped me out the most about it was like this is not a good situation to be in like you do not want to wind up like being in this compound you are probably not getting out real successfully no but the craziest thing about it to me was that when we actually get to talk to Angel, the leader of this cult, he knows it's all bullshit. Immediately. Yep. Like, well, not not that the killers are bullshit. He he like his he doesn't believe his own hype. Like it's not like he believes he's oh. the savior. Yes. He has he's doing it because it's fun to be evil. Well, he's and also he, doing he it though. He wants this little harem. He also is doing it though, he says For because protection. He knows that these new the new campers are going to yeah. try to come kill him. So he sees right through Signal and Javier. He's like, I know you're here to kill me. Right. Obviously. So he's gathered these armed women around that are, like, fiercely loyal to him. So that when someone comes for him, he's got yeah. an army. He's got an army. I just, I guess you... And all of the, like, interviews you see with Manson or, like, any other cult leader, right? They never let their guard drop. Like, they never admit, like, yeah, I was just doing it because I could. Right. I know I'm not the son of God. I know that I'm not the... Like, they... You never see that. They always maintain this belief in themselves. Period. Totally. And so to to like get get a glimpse underneath that mask of like I've never even considered for one second that like Charles Manson didn't believe his own hype. You know? Like, Agreed. I've just I've just always like well yeah no he really thought all that but like it's isn't it even more creepy to think that he didn't? Right. I agree. I agree. And it was like uh-huh. like yeah they the yeah. mask Angel's mask doesn't even just slip he's like he just takes it off he just takes it off yeah the whole thing's crazy i mean there's a very heavy sexual component to it where he you know like initiates these new brides um it's all very creepy and not great so not good but yes i too love a cult i love overlap love Mm -hmm. a cult all right Mm -hmm. i could talk about this book for 14 more hours i think we should start to wind down yeah should we burning questions it burning questions aptly named because they do burn Mm. down the cult barn at the end of this book (laughs) they Um, do i know you have many burning questions and for the first time we're gonna get to ask the author about them so what what's what's on your mind 
I want to know what all of these kids actually did. Like, yep. I want the tea. Particularly Same. on Eric. Yes. Like, particularly on Eric. But I really want to know all of their backstories. Because, like I said, we only got Javier's. I agree. So I am I, so thirsty yeah. for nobody's backstory specifically. Same. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I really want to know. I also, I have follow-up questions on Dennis the Menace. Um, <laughs> like, I know he, like, turned himself in. But it's interesting to me that he would be even given the option of joining the Teen Killers Club even though he was a class A because he hadn't done anything yet. Like you would think that if you turned yourself in, it would be, you would be going to a hospital of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe I guess they gave him the option and he picked. So anyway, I, guess. I just, I need to know, I need the backstory. How about you? Burning questions? Um, I want to know wh- why Signal is named Signal. Like yes. what a cool name. Yes. Signal Deer, like best heroin name ever. Yeah. It's um, up there with Katniss Everdeen, for sure. I think my other question that I want to ask you, are you a skipper or a Barbie? <laughs> Is there a third option? Yes, there are more <laughs> options. Because remember when Barbie started getting little sisters? And it's like those tiny dolls. There's like Chelsea and Kelly. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you, Kelly, could be a, she, you could be I, a baby. <laughs> I, I could be a little baby. Um, well, I'm definitely not a Barbie. Same. Um, I Can I pick Care Bear? You can pick Care Bear. <laughs> right. Or like Fluffy Dog. I'll be a Care oh, Bear. I'm a Popple. <laughs> you, Karen, you actually kind of are Popple-like. I can I mean, curl minus, up into my, in my own pouch. <laughs> minus the Poppling. But like as, as a species, I'd say you have very similar emotional characteristics with a Popple. I am wearing a hoodie right now and I've had my hands kind of poppled in it the entire time. So... <laughs> I've had my hands poppled in. Yeah, I'm sitting here like a, po- a small popple. <laughs> if anybody doesn't know what a popple is, Google it. They I'm were sad. Alive. Do we still have our popples? We do. You had a blue one and I had a yellow one. Yeah. I think we still have our fluffy dogs too. Fluffy dogs were good. The popples. We never had a glow worm. No, we did not have a glow worm. Santa let us down that year. We had some rainbow um, bright paraphernalia yeah Yeah, we had some strawberry shortcake i don't want to get into that shared trauma but that's a debacle we'll talk about it another time yeah um but yeah i I, i'm gonna go with care bear (laughs) great all right perfect thank you um so my final question for lily and i feel like there's i feel like this book left off with the very open opportunity for a sequel Mm-hmm. But my question, like, is are you writing a sequel and when can I have it? Like, Okay. Yeah. So I did a thing right before we started recording. Yeah. Which is that I went through ev- every single one of Lily's Instagram posts. I'm sorry, Lily. I Perhaps I am Dennis the Menace, but I... <laughs> and the book publisher, Crooked Lane Books, has yeah. signed Lily yeah. to write a sequel... Oh, shut Thank God. Seriously? It's going to be called Hide and Seek, and it's coming out in fall of 2022. Oh, shut up. Oh, thank God. I'm so excited. I know. It's a year away, though. I know. I'm, maybe I'll, I'll, re, uh, listen, I'll read the audiobook. I'll listen to the audiobook before that one comes out to yeah, refresh perfect. my memory. I love oh, it. Thank goodness. Even, even more questions, then. Like, 
Lily, when you started writing this book, did you know where it was leading? Did you intend, like, is it going to be two books? Is it going to be three books? Is it going to be like, you know, 98, like Nancy Drew? (laughs) There you go. So many questions. Um, So yeah, like Karen said, if you have questions you want us to ask Lily, you've got like 48 hours to DM us those questions. Otherwise, we will try our best to represent and ask all of our hard-hitting journalistic questions that we were not taught how to do while receiving our English majors. (laughs) But I can talk like her, talk to her about Pride and Prejudice till the cows come home. A little Jane Eyre. (laughs) Don't mock Jane just because you don't like her. I hate that book so much. (laughs) Well, you know what? It hates you too, Karen. (laughs) It does, and I'm fine with that. Uh, Well, so Karen... This week, we are rating Teen Killers Club out of 12 possible dog face masks. So what sayest thou? How many dog face masks do you give it? No hyperbole. 12 out of 12 dog face masks. <gasps> oh my god. Seriously? I loved this book. This are you is just gonna trying be... to suck up? I mean, not at all, but she I... She doesn't know where you live. <laughs> she does. She mailed me a book. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I seriously loved this book. It is going to be one of my top 10 books this year. I love YA. I love thrillers. This was, I was like, hand me a popcorn the whole time I was reading it. I stayed up so late so many nights because I'm like, one more chapter. Um, I loved that unlike the Nancy Drew books we've been reading, the danger was so real. Yeah. The timelines were very short. So the drama was just incredibly heightened i i love i loved it i loved everything about it and i love Yay. eric <laughs> and also i love eric also eric. <laughs> <laughs> um well i also gave it a high rating i gave it 11 out of 12 excellent um like i literally couldn't put this book down and i i've been kind of like struggling to get into books recently and this i started reading and could not put it down um there were two particular things that i really loved about this the first was you kind of said this, like the, the stakes were pretty high, but I love that we're getting to hang out with the criminals. The second thing was, was that this was actually a great example of two simultaneous, like two separate stories coming together as one. Yeah. Unlike in Nancy Drew, <laughs> the blending of the Rose murder with this crazy teen killers club story was beautiful i love the whole thing i literally cannot wait until the sequel comes out i'm so excited love it well i think before we conclude with what we learned today we do want to tell you what our next reading list is reading list number eight for us yeah what's coming up in the hopper okay so like i mentioned next week next week's episode will be our interview with ms lily sparks uh but after that it's back to business as usual because this is a serious podcast, Karen. I is just, it? Is no, it? <laughs> no. It's the most serious Nancy Drew podcast. Of all time. That we've ever recorded. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so after our interview with Lily, the next week we get back to Nancy Drew. So it will be The Clue in the Crumbling Wall. Okay. Architecture-based. The Mystery of the Tolling Bell, artifact-based, and The Clue in the Old Album, photography-based. Oh, so, beautiful. I, I don't know. I'm just making crap up. Um, I, I'm sure they'll all be riveting, Karen. I've done no reading up on these books. I just Great. looked up the names of them. But however, 
I am willing to wager you one venti pumpkin spice latte when you come to visit that there will be at least one orphan and up to three boat sinkings I in, don't, in these books. I don't take that bet because you are absolutely going to win. <laughs> it's correct. Yeah. Okay, I'll throw in some twins. Will that sweeten the pot? There are, no, there are definitely, all of those things will happen. <laughs> And then our next Super Sleuth special. So yes. you, you gave me some ideas, some options to choose from. I, I have decided that next up we are going to read The Ruby and the Smoke. I'm so glad. I was hoping you picked that one. Yeah, I love it. It was written in 1985, the year of my birth, by oh, Philip a Pullman. historical novel then. <laughs> <laughs> Vintage. <laughs> uh, Philip Pullman, the author, wrote one of my favorite books of all time the golden compass yeah same here love so that. good um, i yeah. don't know anything about this book i just know that i love him it's book one of four in the sally lockhart quartet um so i really hope we love it and then we can read all four of them yes oh i'm so glad you picked that one i have not read it either but i love philip pullman and i like the name sally lockhart perfect yes so you can find us on at It's a Clue podcast on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. And we also have a website, it's a clue.com, if you want to like email us directly with any questions or anything like that. And please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. Please and thank you. And Kelly, remember what we learned today in Teen Killers Club. What did we learn? Never wear jean shorts to a knife fight. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or one might call them jorts. <laughs> jorts. <laughs> Don't wear jorts to a knife fight. You're gonna get, gonna get cut. Don't do it. Can't hide your, can't hide your knife if you've got jorts on. <laughs> it just like sticks out the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Not the kind of jean shorts I used to wear. The same. They were like mid calf. <laughs> we were nothing but the height of fashion in the mid eighties. <laughs> and with that, happy, happy sleuthing. It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. It's-